Welcome to Epiphany Fellowships Podcast. My name is Dr. Eric Mason, lead pastor and founder of Epiphany Fellowship in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Thank you so much for tuning into our podcast. Our desire is to see people everywhere show off the glory of Christ in every area of life. God bless you as you listen and consider subscribing so that you can tune in every week to check out new messages. God bless you and take care. Amen. I'll read for your hearing. Verse 20. Now some Greeks were among those who went up to worship at the festival. So they came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, and requested of him, Sir, we want to see Jesus. Philip went up and told Andrew. Then Andrew and Philip went and told Jesus. Jesus replied to them, The hour is come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Truly I tell you, unless the grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains by its and remains by itself but if it dies it produces much fruit the one who loves his life will lose it and the one who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life if anyone serves me he must follow me where i am there my servant also will be if anyone serves me the father will honor him now my soul is troubled what should I say? Father, save me from this hour, but that is why I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then the voice came from heaven. I have glorified it and will, glor and will glorify it again. What a statement. The crowd standing there heard it and said it was thunder. Others said it was an angel who spoke to him. Jesus responded, the voice came not for me, but for you. Now, is the judgment of the world. Now the ruler of this world will be cast out. As for me, I like that, as for me, if I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw all people to myself. Hallelujah. He said this to indicate what kind of death he was about to die. Thank, this is the reading of God's holy word. Please be seated. Showing off the glory of Christ. See, showing off the glory of Christ comes with a call, but it comes with a cost. Yeah. Yeah. Showing off the glory of Christ is not some buzzword we use to make the webpage look good. Showing off the glory of Christ comes with whoopings and pain and sickness and hurt and hatred and death and violence and financial challenges and family struggles. It comes with loss of children. It comes with hurt and damage to people. Break up of close friends who ain't friends no more when you try to show off the glory of Christ on some real stuff. N not on some cool tweets. But when you're on this block, showing off the glory of Christ is going to cost you something. John is highlighting here that Jesus is the Messiah that the Old Testament looked forward to. Up to this point, we've seen miracles. We heard the message. We've seen, Cana, we've seen the wedding at Cana, water to wine. Why Zinfandel, first one he lit up right there. And, and then we've seen Lazarus raised. He, he brings out the dead and he comes walking out of the tomb. And the triumphal entry right on the, the head of this passage that I'm going to be jumping into. So John understands that Jesus' kingship 
and his messianic identity might be confused. His kingship and his messianic identity might get confused. So he's going at great lengths to make it clear that Jesus is Jesus' deity. He is Messiah. He has a message. He is the man that God sent. And he has a, a simple, great, humongous, worldwide mission. Because that can get confused. I got a TV channel with a bunch of people who get it confused. Churches on uh, right in North Philly have gotten that confused. John has gone at great lengths to make so that we avoid messianic misunderstandings. See, messianic misunderstandings leads to missional misunderstandings. Missional misunderstanding leads to a mission mess in the city and not a missional movement in the city. John has gone, and he's, 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 he's highlighting this messianic deity, powerful reality of who he is in his sonship, and in his incarnation. And Enoch, that I affectionately call the churches, Epiphany Network of Churches or Epiphany Family of Churches, we've sought by the vision that God gave Dr. Eric Mason in D.C. or Arkansas or Dallas, wherever he was kneeling and praying, to show off the glory of Christ. And simply, we're, we want to elevate Jesus to the highest raptor that from every vantage point in the ministry, you see Jesus. That's what showing off the glory of Christ is. That means as John went at great length, we've sought as a family of churches to go at great length to make every Epiphany church about Jesus. Not about branding, <laughs> but about Jesus. And that comes with a call and a cost. So we've sought to be glory reflectors, not glory seekers. In every area of life, this comprehensive mission. What does, what, so, so here's, here's now, for my passage, here's the picture. What does glory look like when it comes to Mashiach, when it comes to Messiah? I'm, I'm talking about messianic misunderstandings, right? Many Jews look for the Messiah that would be seated on the throne with military swag, seated on the throne, fine linen and servants everywhere, secret police. He had a motorcade with an entourage, enthronement. He would have the best places. That's the kind of king that many of the people of that day were looking for to come out and wipe out the oppressors and set up the kingdom, make it fly, and this king would sit on the throne with a crown, with adorned in everything, looked upon as great. That's what they were looking for. Jesus was none of that. Scandal surrounded Jesus. Baby daddy drama right off the top. <laughs> he would have been on Maury Povich. <laughs> God, you are the father. <laughs> he, he was born in poverty. He was born in a barn amongst farm animals without Obamacare, even though Genesis tells us that the Messiah would be from the seed of a woman. So when we think about this, this messianic misunderstanding, he was to come from the seed of a woman. The Messiah would crush the head of the serpent. The religious leaders and many people in that day looked at Jesus as a child born out of wedlock. And based on that, the, the song used to say, we could never be royals. It doesn't run in our blood. And that's how they would have looked at Jesus. 
So John goes to an extreme lengths to clarify this, this messianic misunderstanding as Jesus in this passage is highlighting the prediction, the forth telling of his crucifixion and glorification. So the Pharisees didn't get it. They tried to kill Lazarus because of the miracle that God had worked in Lazarus because of all the great thing, the great thing God did and many people were coming to Jesus. So the Pharisees, they wanted to extinguish and discredit the man, the message, the miracle, and the mission of Jesus. People in the church will try to do that too. People talk about healing. Well, I don't know about healing, they'll say. That might not be God. It is. Slander and scandal will seek to try to rob the power of the message, the mission, and the man when you try to show off the glory of Christ. The crowd seemed to get it, though. The triumphal entry, they lay out palm branches and they scream, Hosanna. I don't know, though, because not many days longer they would say, crucify him, crucify him. The disciples didn't get it. When I, um, in John chapter 12, verse 16, they would misunderstand the messianic mission as well. You can help me with that. His disciples did not understand these things at first. However, when Jesus was glorified, they remembered that these things had been written about him and they had done these things to him. So they didn't get it. This understanding, we're, we're missing it, this big picture. So this brings me to land in my text as I've sought to set up the picture here. And let's just walk this out a little bit. So verse 20, it says, some Greeks in the crowd and those that had gone up to the festival, they push up on Philip and Andrew. Now, it's interesting that these Greeks, Gentiles outside of the covenant people, John is highlighting that to let you know that they weren't Jewish. They would not have been at temple. They would not have been bar mitzvah. They would have been on the outside wondering about the inside, and they roll up, and then they roll up. I want you to notice that they get with Philip and Andrew. Those are Greek names, so they tried to connect through the name, I believe, of the Greek names to get to them because they wanted to talk to Jesus. They wanted to talk interview Jesus, if you will, and they requested to see Jesus. Philip tells, he huddles up and says, yo, man, he wants to talk to Jesus. So they go tell Jesus. And in the context of this passage, we're seeing now in, in Jesus' glorification, we're seeing now in his crucifixion that he's opening up the reality that's always been there that the whole world can come. So I speculate these Greeks would have been there with their Gentiles Lives Matter shirts on. <laughs> they would have been wondering, this message, is it for them too? The religious leaders hate you. They hate me too. Is that message maybe for me? I don't know. I'm, I'm doing a theological hypothesis here. But... They would have been there asking, wanting to interview. And in Jesus, in Jesus' fashion, says this. He doesn't answer their questions. He's like Muhammad Ali at an interview. <laughs> He's not going to answer. He's going to tell you what he wants because he knows what you need. Look what he says. Now, some, um, look what he says. So, um, after he says, sir, I want to see Jesus. Jesus replied to them, the hour is come in the Son of Man to be glorified. 
Truly I tell you, unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains by itself. But if it dies and produces much fruit, the one who loves his life will lose it, and the one who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. And so he's, he's unpacking now, this, this hour has come. Jesus is, in Jesus' fashion, again, seemingly evading. He's not. He's bringing big picture. He's laying out the details of his messianic glorification. Up to this point, all the reference to Jesus' time was future, the not yet. Now for this time, the Lord declared that his hour had come. See, at Cana, on, it says in John 2, 5, on the third day the wedding took place in Cana, Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and his disciples were invited to the wedding. Um, when the wine ran out, Jesus' mother told him, they don't have any wine. What does that have to do with you and me, woman? Jesus asked, my hour has not yet come. So he's been, he's been saying his hour's not here yet. I'm telling you that this passage is a pivotal passage in the reality of the message mission and the Messiah. Um, so the public ministry in John um, 7.30, it says, and as he was teaching in the temple, Jesus cried out, You know me, and you know where I am from. Yet I have not come on my own, but the one who sent me is true. You don't know him. I know him because I am from him, and he sent me. They tried to seize him, yet no one laid a hand on him because his hour had not yet come. He uses, he uses this motif, son of man. In light of this hour had not come, his hour had come. So he's talking more definitive because this is a pivotal, definitive moment. And so he's using the language son of man. Jesus used this, um, he used this designation for himself most in the Gospels, this messianic title used to express his heavenly origin, his earthly mission, and his glorious future coming. Um, Daniel 7 highlights this idea of son of man. This son of man was this human, um, non-human. It carries the idea of hypostatic. It carries idea of sent by God. It carries the idea of getting beat down, but yet having, but getting full glory. I, every good Hebrew should have known what son of man was when he said it, and maybe they did. They didn't like it, but he's clarifying this any messianic misunderstanding so that we can get Jesus right. And he and John is going at great lengths so we can get it right, and Jesus is going at great lengths so they can get it right. He is the son of man. He is the one who will receive glory after a whooping. It is Jesus, this glorious one, this logos that was in the beginning with God, that was God, that's face to face with God. He's highlighting he is the son of man. He is triumphant and his triumph looks weird. And that's why he's unpacking glorification because what he's highlighting here and what I'm going to get to is that he's going to be crucified. That don't sound glorious. It don't sound glorious. But Son of Man carries this eschatological hope, this eschatological completion, eschatological $10, five cent word, end time. The end time that when this thing, when the lights go off on the moon, everything Jesus said will be done. <laughs> to be glorified. This is a particular glory he expresses. I'm, I'm still walking down to be the son of man to be glorified. If anyone, on um, verse 27, I mean, I'm sorry, 26, if anyone serves me, he must follow me where I am. The servant must be also. If anyone serve me, he will honor.
So the hour had come to be glorified. This particular glory. He gives an agricultural example. The seed must go into the ground and die to produce fruit for all my gardeners. You know what he's talking about. You never think about the seed dying, but when you bury it under some dirt, it has to die to produce fruit. (laughs) So it is. It must die. Then he goes to a life and death example. He says, truly, um, I'm sorry. Then he says, the one who loves me will, the one who loves his life will lose it. Sacrifice, self-surrender, death is the condition of the highest life that Christ calls us to. He's calling us to self-sacrifice and surrender. Self-sacrifice and surrender, often we are so selfish. We get rid of the sacrifice, we just put the self with some ish. Selfish, that's what we are. We can be so selfish and we miss out on God working in us. We miss out on God doing crazy things. We miss out on seeing some stuff. I mean, when I think about Steve Jobs, Steve Jobs who started Apple, I mean, he quit college and went into his garage. How many people told him, you ain't going to make it? I imagine his lights was off. I imagine a company lunch was Chicken McNuggets. I imagine it was awkward when he said, come to my office, and he hit the garage door opener, and it opened up like this, and you came walking in. He went through some trials and some stuff, but he had in mind that he had to sacrifice to get it. He had to surrender to his ideas, so much so, I am preaching from an iPad right now. (laughs) That's a particular glory. but not us. We get to college, the, the washing machine break. That's a sign. I got to go home. <laughs> it's a sign you got to do laundry at the laundromat. <laughs> we punk out, though. Often we identify um, um, our selfish motives as sometimes preachers can use the platform for their personal agenda and not preaching the power of Christ. We run into a little problem with a deacon or an elder, and next thing you know, we run home under the bed in the fetus position wondering what happened. I'll tell you what happened. To show off the glory of Christ comes with a call and a cost. Don't be scared of that whooping. Many of y'all ain't in jail because of that whooping mama gave you. (laughs) Many of you take care of your property because it was robbed and vandalized and you care about it now but you had to go through some stuff surrender self-sacrifice this is the gospel Jesus surrenders to the will of the father he sacrifices himself he had no sin of his own but he goes to a cross to die for the unsurrendered and the sinful though he had no sin and he goes willingly and willfully to die a vicious death and no one robbed his life no nobody put a gun to his head but he willfully went no one takes it but he laid it down in self-sacrifice and surrender can i tell you what that looks like putting yourself in harm's way to see people out of harm's way that's the cross self-sacrifice and surrender you got to lose your life. Lose your life. I, well, Pastor Doug, I got dreams to be a singer. You need a job. I ain't mad at your dream. You got to work. 
I got dreams to be a pastor. You ain't no pastor. You need to feed your children. You got to put, you got to, so often we rise up in ourselves to be something we're not instead of being what God is working in us. But we so selfish sometimes. Self-sacrifice and surrender. Christ had to die. His death was an absolute necessity. This was Christ here unpacking anyone's messianic misunderstanding. Glorification of the Messiah was different than many understood. John is making clear that Jesus is preaching glorification is not glorious by the world's standards. The world, I'm I'm sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm in this glory now. He's talking about glory, and this glory would have not been glorious because I think they were looking for him to show up with a, with a fine Brooks Brothers suit and then get coronated and then the deaconess make the chicken and then we have this celebration. But his glory looked different. It looked like death. It looked like self-sacrifice and surrender as it had always been prophesied in the Old Testament. Glorification is different than the world standard. This would have blown their mind. Yet as we check the Old Testament... It's constantly mentioned as this suffering servant. They should have been looking for a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. They should have been looking for the person of Psalm 22.1 that would cry, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? They should have been looking for this distressed and this despised suffering servant. But that ain't glorious to our standards. The suffering servant is Jesus of the Bible. He does not and will not sidestep suffering. The devil offered Christ in Matthew 4 an opportunity to sidestep the suffering of the cross. Satan said, I will give you all the kingdoms of the world if you just bow down and worship me. You ain't got to take no nails. What are you talking about, man? Stop playing. Jesus, I got this worked out. Just, just, just bow down and worship me. In other words, you exalt me and I'll get you out of pain. People of God, you ain't going to avoid suffering in this life. And we got an American suffering that ain't as bad as Malawi. But you ain't going to find a non-suffering Messiah in the Bible so you can't find a non-suffering Christian that says he's with Jesus. You will suffer. You will go through trials. Eric Mason started a church with a wife in the hospital. From transplant to transplant to home care to homeschool. To, to, I think about Tommy Forrester. He had a transplant. I think about Aaron Johnson, who he was in the hospital with people all around. Pain and sickness and death. You will not sidestep suffering. And if you are, you're not showing off the glory of Christ. The cross is a rugged cross. It's not a comfy couch. That's what we want. We want that la-la. When a bullet goes past my house, hits my son, my middle son's next to his window, there is no la-la. When they come and vandalize my car 
to $7,000 worth of damage. There's no la-la. When my neighbor breaks into a knife fight with her daughter and then people are getting cut to break it up, that's not la-la land. That's some crazy, ridiculous, dangerous stuff. I had the anxiety that the urban minister suffers. I suffer anxiety and struggles. I've seen many deaths. I've done just as many funerals as I've done weddings. I've seen 15-year-old after 13-year-old murdered and slaughtered. I have nightmares some days of those faces and those eyes. It's crazy and it's hard. And you know what? Jesus says, get back up, go ahead and preach it Sunday. You will not sidestep suffering. You will not. It's impossible, and you shouldn't need to. I'm a better father when I think about all the trials. I, Jesus just makes me love him more. I stay on my knees more in my anxiety bouts. I'm looking to him and his word more through the depression and challenges. I'm trying to be a better husband because of what she's going through. Don't you run from suffering. Suffering produces hope and produces new life, new hope for you. Stop trying to duck suffering. It's coming. Your Savior did not duck it. He went head on, and you must do it. I don't care if you're in college or kindergarten. You don't get off the hook. Period. Jesus is doing this. This is a particular weird glorification that in our standards is not glorious. So Satan says, bow down and worship me to Jesus. Jesus says, bye, Felicia. And the devil left him. Sometimes you got to tell the devil, bye, Felicia. <laughs> we can't seek to avoid it. It's a part of the journey. This is why I despise the prosperity gospel. It's not the gospel first. Second, it tries to remove suffering from the Savior. Or it tries to pimp suffering out on the Savior so they can get some recline. Listen, I remember I was building my house in Camden. My son Bernie, I'll pick on him. And I had Mark Scott with me. We was there every day, grinding. Right around the time we got done, Bernie was doing a lot of contracting. Then he showed up and said, Dad, what you need? I said, nothing, I'm finished. That's what the prosperity gospel does. And then when people talk, they just assume that Bernie, who was my son, built my house. So everybody worked, everybody spent their money, and Bernie didn't do nothing wrong, so don't hear that. Don't hear that, he was working. I ain't mad at that. But people say, your Bernie built your house. He didn't, he didn't. So the prosperity gospel says Jesus suffered so that I could just walk into the finished product and just lay back takes out suffering. It moves that glorification to glorious. And this is not what we do. This is not the Bible. This is not Jesus. There is no church planted out of this church that is going to look for apostropedic. We bear a rugged cross in these streets. Death and dying are a part of this calling. Well, there is no sidestepping of suffering. There's none. That's why I despise it. See, we need to know him in the power of his resurrection. See, that's the bumper sticker. But the rest of the verse says, 
and the fellowship of his sufferings. The cornonia, the, the LinkedIn partnering of his suffering. That don't look good on a t-shirt. They have a misunderstanding. Prosperity ministries have a misunderstanding about the Messiah that leads to a misunderstanding about mission, that leads to a misunderstanding of the message, that leads to a bunch of confused people who think that their paycheck, if it's big, is God's faith in their hand and not obeying and bowing to the king. They think their material equals love. Doesn't. Jesus loves equals love. That's it. I'm almost done. So he goes on and he says the servant must follow him down the road of suffering and pain, predicaments, situations, haters and health problems, death and murder, cancer and killers, race and racism, elitism, classism, colonialism, and everything. Wherever Jesus is, is at is where we are. We don't send him in like a German shepherd and sick him on the people, but we follow him where he goes and we take his word along these streets. And he says, and when we do that, the text says in 26, the father will honor him. Simply put, God will display his work in your life, not give you a check. He will display his will in your life. He will publicly show off his glory in you ultimately. See, this world shame can't compare to all that God is up to and working. We got great grandkids. You got great grandkids maybe in you that are dependent upon you and me rightly understanding Messiah. Eric Mason, I don't believe, this is my father in ministry, I'll speak for him, he didn't tell me to say this, I just don't believe he came here to plant a church. <laughs> but he came here to plant the gospel in a bunch of people at a church plant that would hopefully turn into a worldwide mission to see Jesus' name most famous. And it came with suffering and hardships, but it's bigger than what we can pull off in a building. It's bigger than what we can pull off with a good graphic designer. And it's rough, though, but in all that roughness, I remember we were going through something heavy, and we were hurting, and I, Pastor E lived in Northwood, and I drove over to the house. He sounded a little upset on the phone, and I got in there, and we started praying and crying together, and he says, Doug, all this stuff, all the hell we going through, God must be about to plant about 10 churches. <laughs> and he did. Can we give him praise because he's worthy? And he did. All this hell you've been through, God has something to bless you with. All the struggles you've been through relationally, God has maybe a spouse for you. All the financial trials you've been through, God has not forgotten you. And this world's problems, it can't be compared. Paul tells us in Romans chapter 8, verse 18. This is what it says, for I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is going to be revealed in us. That's not in this life. 
that's not in this life, but we act like it is. We worship like it is. We love one another like it is. We preach the gospel on the streets like it is because we know the end of the story. The spoiler alert has already been published in Revelation. He wins. <laughs> he wins. The spoiler alert is out. They don't leak the video to power, and Jesus been leaked the video to how this thing ends up. The devil is defeated. Victory is his. We walk in him, and he talks with us, and he guides us on our way. Victory is in Jesus. The power is in Jesus. There's nothing to compare. I don't care if you've been through cancer. I don't care if you've had a rough divorce. I can't don't hear me saying that. But Jesus has not diminished his love and his great work and his great power in you. He has not. He's working it out at a little church on 17th and Diamond. You would have never thought you could send 10 men out of this building. You would have never thought that our budget could afford to send a little nappy head boy from Patterson to Camden. But all the suffering he did, all the suffering Christ did, we go to Camden, to Brooklyn, to Maryland, to L.A., all to show off the glory of Christ. I almost want to stop there, but I want to close with this. So the voice came from heaven. He says, Father, save me from this hour. Nah, I was made for this hour. Church, don't run from suffering. You were made for this hour. <laughs> you were made. See, sometimes we get the wrong tattoo. <laughs> you were made for this hour. <laughs> If you don't take the verse. And then it says, and Father, save me from this hour, but this is why I came to this hour. Then he says, emphatically, Father, glorify your name. Not with lights. With suffering, he says. The voice then came from heaven, I have glorified it and will glorify it again. What a tweet. I don't know about you, but I've been on my knees in pain with some issues, with some struggles. I've had a rough day in a rough time. And I've prayed and God has answered me in some crazy ways. But I just want you to hear, Father, help. Send me in to suffer. And the Father, boom. I have glorified you. And I will do it again. Be affirmed that in Christ, all the hell you've been through, the Father hasn't forgotten it. He is listening. He can, he can hear a teardrop during an earthquake. He can see a black ant on a black hill on a black night. He hasn't forsaken you. He is looking at you. He is where he knows all about your troubles. He knows all about your suffering. He has not forgotten you. And he still speaks. The crowd didn't understand it. They thought they heard thunder. One thought they heard the, the voice of an angel. Mess messianic misunderstanding. Verse 30, Jesus responded, the voice came not for me but for you. Now this is the judgment of the world. He's walking us down. Now this is your judgment of the world. Look what he says. I love it. As um, the judgment of the world. 
Now the rule of this world will be cast out. As for me, I am, if I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw all people to myself. The judgment of the world is sealed in the crucifixion of Jesus. And the judgment of the world is in the casting out of the rule of this world, that, that old dragon, that serpent. In other words, God has demonstrated his condemnation of the world by evicting his ruler, the devil. See, the city condemns an abandoned building for demolition. This is what's going on here, which has been taken over by squatters. The squatters do not own the home, but they have taken over the house as if their names were on the deed. That's Satan. However, now the process of eviction and, and demolition has officially begun. So when the city puts that little stamp on there, I don't care if the squatter got his feet up. He's evicted. And the process of moving forward to this now removes him. He may think he owns that house. And I was at Camden Court the other day, and the dude wrote himself a lease, a squatter, and said his rent was $10 a month. And on the lease, he had the person sign it that said, he paid it up for 20 years. I'm not even making this up. The dude couldn't read well. Who was there with me? He, who was following a charge? He showed it to me. And I was like, bro, he spelled everything wrong. They're having a hard time getting him out. Jesus is not having a hard time getting Satan out. Crucifixion and glorification is what's driving out. So he's casting out the evil one. And then what? But the next, the next part of the verse says, if I be lifted up, I'll draw. So he's driving out and drawing in. He's driving out and he's drawing in. So it is with God. He's driving out and he's drawing in. And so what, what is the picture? So he says that they're being cast out. But then he gives the sharp contrast and he says, but as for me. I ain't like them. But as for me, on the other hand, it serves to show that he is the owner and ruler of all things. And, he, and you know, we say if, but in the Greek, I could say that if or when, based on the context, Pastor Larry will grade me later. <laughs> he speaks of the cross. So now this humble healer will submit himself to a horrific homicide. If when I'm lifted up from the earth, I'll draw. Notice the devil is being driven out. I will draw all people to myself. This is a beautiful double entendre here. And so first, let me show you the first double. So we see now when we get to Genesis that the Mashiach or this, this divine one that's going to come, he's going to crush the head of the serpent. But we see also that the rule of this world is being crushed too. But watch this. But we see in Isaiah 53 that the serpent is going to be crushed too. So there's a double crushing. There's a crushing of the devil and his power through the crushing of the Messiah and his surrender. <laughs> so what should elicit us is we should think Isaiah, he was, he was bruised. And he was wounded, not for his sins, but for ours. We should see, we should see the proto-Euangelion. We should see the Genesis 3 passage where he's crushing him. 
but we should also see the eviction papers, the notice up here that Satan won't is going to be removed and evicted and the power still lies in the hands of Yeshua, of our king. And then, amen, and in that authority he says, if I'm lifted up, I will draw. The song says, I'll draw on things unto me. That's a bad song. He's going to draw all people. Now, I told you the Gentiles came looking with their Gentile Lives Matters t-shirts. I think their question is answered in this beautiful word, all. <laughs> I'll draw all men. I bet, the, I bet they packed their little interview stuff up for their podcast and just said, oh, I'm good, and left. I'll draw all men unto me. So let all messianic misunderstandings be clarified. Sin will not have the last laugh. God controls the narrative. The hero dies in this movie. But his death is shameful looking but victorious. Only through the cross. Our victory in the crucified, resurrected, ascended Lord. See, the enemies don't get it. See, in this world, and I promise you I'm closing here, the throne is a big chair and a crown. The throne for Jesus was a cross with, was a cross and a crown with thorns in it. So the, mythological, the, the messianic misunderstanding would be, I got to finish, just in case you thought Jesus lost. John is going at length to explain so you don't get misunderstanding about who Messiah is that earthly thrones have you sit down on, but Jesus' throne is a cross. So he's seated on the throne even when he's standing on the cross. And so he don't want you to get confused. He don't want no missiological or no messianic misunderstandings. But that's why, so cruciform. So this would have been odd. A king would have came in and taken power. But this king gives up power. And he's crushed in our place. To show off and demonstrate God's glory. What does God's glory look like? A crucified Messiah, not success, not avoiding hardships, not Christ whipping out, wiping out all the enemies in, in this life, not the removal of homelessness and poverty in this life, but, but glory for Jesus looks like the exalted king whose throne is a cross and surrender to the Father. And then he's going to draw this magnetic force of the beautiful Messiah, all people, not everybody, but all kinds of people. We've answered the Gentile question. We've clarified the, the messianic misunderstanding. He is God. He is deity. He is the one who satisfies the wrath of the Father. The question is, will you... Is suffering... Will you suffer as a believer to go in the way he's gone to bring him glory? That's what 11 years is about, right? We're not, see, a church plan is not ESPN where we only play the highlights. We play the bloopers here. We don't move the camera away when somebody breaks their leg and it's coming out, they, they skin. We, we keep the camera panned on that. Yeah. It's a rough road. Yes, yes. And by God's grace, a bunch of you crazy folk have decided it's worth it. that it's worth every minute of it. Every minute.
you've considered that these present sufferings are not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in us. Hang on and hold on to God's unchanging hand. Father, be with us. We thank you for your word. We thank Thank you for tuning in to today's message. I hope that it was a blessing to you and it was aiding in your life to help you to show off the glory of Christ in every area of life. If this message has been a blessing to you, we want you to consider partnering with us in ministry so that we can maximize what God has called us to do locally, nationally, and internationally. You can go to epiphanyfellowship.org, go under give and consider donating. Thank you. Take care. See you next week.